I gave you so many clues, and you failed. You are not a cop anymore. There's a killer out there. He's laughing at us. Over here! Here! Some people win, some people lose. The game is over. Amelia? Hello, and welcome to the Infamous Podcast. I'm Ryan. I'm Alan. And I'm Devin. So this is a bit of a change. Normally, Alan takes point on this, but uh, we're doing a movie today that I've seen, um, and Alan and Devin haven't, which I'm very surprised at this one. Um, the movie that we're doing today is The Bone Collector, obviously, since that's what's in the tagline for the uh, for this episode. So, <laughs> Unless I name it something else. Unless you name it something else. Oh, you should name it something else. So... Uh, for uh, so the Bone Collector, some background. It was a movie that came out in 1999. It stars Denzel Washington and Angelina Jolie. So, uh, Devin, this, I know that Alan had seen pieces of this before, but not, but but, but not the video, and mm-hmm. it's a movie in its entirety. Uh, what did you think of it your first time through? So I haven't seen anything. Like I haven't seen any clips of it. I haven't seen any really anything of it. I didn't even know what it was about, honestly, until I watched it. Um, There are parts of it that I really loved. And there are parts of it that I think I am too 2000s about. And I think that I think that some parts of it didn't age really well. And I'm hoping to get into that. Because I didn't watch this like in the 90s or like when it came out, I watched it for the first time in 2019. So I'm really curious to talk about some of this stuff, especially from what you or where you're coming from, having seen it a lot earlier in life. Yeah. Alan? Uh, I remember seeing this on like TNT, like movie of the night, like just clips flipping through. Because I, kn- I remember the image of Denzel Washington in the hospital bed, just being yeah. all paralyzed and stuff. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, I've never really seen the whole thing through, but. I knew enough about it. I was like, okay, Denzel's paralyzed Angelina Jolie. Yeah. And I guess Queen Latifah. But yeah. <laughs> this cast is stacked. It is. Like Queen Latifah, this... Michael Rooker's in it, Ed O'Neill's in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, when it, when it comes to me watching movies and I've said this before, like I'm not one on actors names, but knowing faces and just knowing who's in this film, it's like for the first 20 minutes of this movie going like every five minutes you have a scene open or some character comes around a corner and you're like, and he's in this and he's in this. And she's in this, like, you know, just the, just, it keeps on going for like the first 20 minutes. Yeah, um, it, it Michael or um, one of those was spoiled for me because Devin got really excited when he saw Ed O'Neill's name. <laughs> and I was like, "Damn it! I didn't watch it yet." Yeah, yeah, that was my Which, fault. I, I love his really character. Surprise! Ed O'Neill is the best Ed O'Neill. It really is, though. Mm-hmm. Like I. I love him in this simply because like I, I, I feel like he takes on roles that just fit him. Like I feel like besides the like dramatics uh, mm-hmm. of, of you know certain reactions throughout the movie, I feel like he kind of just played himself to a point because I mean I can see him being that kind of a person. You know, I, I just, feel like this character is closer to the real Ed O'Neill than anything else that he's played. Like, yeah. Um, I can agree with that. Like married with children or modern family. Cause they're both yeah. kind of 
exaggerated forms of anybody. Yeah. So it's <laughs> true. This was a more grounded character. Yeah. Now, uh, when it came to Alan, when it came to you watching the movie, like you said, you saw it on like on network TV a while ago, yeah. and it kept on going back and forth. What scenes did you already like? when this movie got brought up for us to do, like what's the first things that like ran through your head about it? Like literally just Denzel in a hospital bed. <laughs> paralyzed. <laughs> That's all I knew about this movie. Okay. And the, they're trying to solve a murder. Yeah. Somebody's collecting bones. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> good. Good. So, so the basic, but yeah, no, I have a question as somebody yes. that, like I said, when it comes to movies and stuff, people being here and younger versions, and this isn't a spoiler at all. The guy that Anna Jol, uh, that Angelina Jolie, Angelina Jolie is with in the scene where she's getting ready to go to work. Yeah, is that yeah. the dad, the stepdad from Ant Man? Yes, it is. It is. Oh, is it really? Okay, yeah. good. It's Bobby so, Cannavale. Young though, yeah. like yeah. young. Man, which you know makes me happy because I really like the Bone Collector and I really like the Ant Man movies. Yeah. So to me, because they both take place in New York, it's the same universe. No, Ant Man's in San Francisco. Oh, he moved then. He was in New York. He he lived in New York. His therapist said that he needed more. He wasn't getting anything in New York, so he moved to San Francisco. Became a cop. Packed up his eyebrows, moved right across country. Exactly. And Doctor Strange later goes on to fix Denzel's spine so he can walk again. Yes, I'm okay with that. Same here. I'm okay with that. Expect no, no. So. Before, because I mean, I'm this is this is one of the very few podcasts that I'm actually lead on this, and I'm actually not feeling like I'm doing well. But anyway, <laughs> um, Denzel Washington is one of my favorite actors of all time, yeah. And I'm actually very sad that I haven't seen as many movies as he's actually done because I haven't mm-hmm. seen them all. Um, but when it comes to the type of characters he plays, I will admit he's kind of like typecast for a well-respected actor he plays one or two he plays one or two different types of people and that's it what are the two types of people well one is being headstrong and being the best in their field because you know because in um in the siege he plays Mm -hmm. like the top fbi person in the country he's just based in new york dealing with the terrorist threat okay um in uh in the movie flight like they, I mean, he's coked out of his head and he's able to save as many people as he did given the circumstances. And mm-hmm. he's again, extremely headstrong in a bad way because he messed up his entire life, but it's still kind of that same person. And I feel like the character in bone collector is still the same thing. Best in, he's the best in the field, extremely headstrong. He knows how to get what he wants and he just, he just goes along that avenue. And then there's the other movie season where he just plays like the angry man on the mission. (laughs) And that's really it. Like that's all I've seen from him. The thing is, I think he's the best at what, uh, um, at what he does when it comes to that. He's got that like perfect intense face where like the second he like flares up those eyes, you're like, Oh, Denzel. (laughs) (laughs) I love his rants. I really do love his rants, especially when he goes on about like his characters had it. And he just like he just like slams and got nothing on me. Yeah. Like he just (laughs) he he just goes off like I if I had to make a movie and 
in the script there was a character that had like one or two like just like boiling point rants i would mm-hmm. want him to play that character absolutely i'm looking at his imdb page right now and all of the posters are of him staring intensely into the distance <laughs> like That's i said thing, man he, he's so good at it he like i said he and the thing is he plays he from the movies I've seen, he's usually some type of like governmental official or law enforcement officer, or he's just he he's he, he's got a job where he's in a position of power where he can tell people what to do, because to be perfectly honest, I mean, with how hard he goes on that type of a character, I don't know if you could make a movie where he starts off as like a lonely private and then works his way up. I feel like him as a lonely private would get himself in trouble way too quick. <laughs> right. I'm curious what his character is like in the magnificent, magnificent seven. Cause I haven't seen that one. Yet. I haven't seen that either. either. Mainly because I'm not a big like Western, like cowboy person. I'm not. Okay. So that's, sure. I mean, but, but I mean, it's one of those things that for obviously for this, like, you know, well, I'll watch a Western. I think if we're going to watch a Western, it's not going to be the remake of The Magnificent Seven. It'll be, it's the be something else. Right. It's probably, the it's probably something with Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Um, yeah. Until they make that Magnificent Eight, and then we'll make, make it just in time for the sequel to come out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then we'll have to watch it. Um, yeah. So, full disclosure, when I sat down to watch this movie last night, yeah. I could not get through it. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure I had a fever. Okay. Because oh, no. I, I was laying on my couch covered in blankets. I paused the movie to get up and get a drink. And then I got to my kitchen and just could not shake because I was so cold. Yeah. Like, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm that not sounds like a fever. Movie tonight. That sounds like a fever. And then I, yeah. I was like, I'm going I'm gonna go to sleep. And this was like 9 30 last night. I'm, like, I'm going to mm-hmm. go to sleep and sleep this off and see how I feel. And then yeah. woke up this morning feeling a thousand times better. I was like, okay, I'm going to finish watching this. So I Started watching it on my tablet in my bed. Yeah. Like, I don't want nice. to get out of bed yet, but I'm going to finish this movie. God damn it. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. so um, did you guys want to talk about anything that really doesn't have? I mean, granted, this movie's like almost 30 years old. I mean, actually, it's it is. 20 yeah. years, 20 years old. It's 20 years yeah. old. So, I mean, spoilers is eh, especially when you take into account that the main antagonist, the villain, has a very, very obvious voice. So in the trailer, when he's uh, so, I mean, when the trailer for this movie came out when I was younger, yeah, Mm -hmm. I knew that actor already, Mm -hmm. and he's uh, and that actor has done voice acting before. At that point, so I was like a freshman in high school, Mm -hmm. because my freshman year of high school was the ninety nine to two thousand school year. So, um, I remember seeing the trailer for this. And I couldn't name him, but I knew mm. who it was. I was like, oh, you know, and that was one of the first times a trailer ruined a movie for me because I knew <laughs> automatically who the bad guy was. But I mean, granted, th- uh, 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 throughout the film, too, he's also, you know, you, you, you hear his voice before you see his face anyway. Right. So, I mean, at yeah. some point, if you know the actor, and you know his voice, it gets ruined because they don't do anything to hide it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have a small bone to pick about this movie. Ah, I like the pun. Okay, Tell me. Um, ah, I see what you did I wasn't there. Going for that. <laughs> um, okay, so this movie was made in 1999. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why not just cast Christopher Reeve? Oh man. <sighs> Valid. 
valid. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say Solid that. Point. No, I mean, it's I mean, the action point. scenes towards the end would probably be a little rough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially for 1999, but yeah. in the opening scene. Yeah. But I, I think there's ways around that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, like I'm a huge Christopher Reeve fan. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was just like, man, this would have been great for him. Like, <laughs> he could have done this. Yeah. So I did want to bring that up. So I watched uh, yesterday, I went out to the theater and I just saw the upside, um, which is uh, Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart. Brian Cranston plays a quadriplegic. And then I turned on this movie where Denzel Washington qu- plays a quadriplegic. So I got two different, not different takes, but two different like actors who weren't quadriplegic playing something with or somebody with that ailment. How do you guys think you did? I think you did a really good job because like, it's easy to just not get out of a hospital bed, but right. like the intensity that you see with his, with what he can do, like just his mm-hmm. face and like the, they did a really good job with the makeup. So he's sweating a lot when he's like stressed. And, yep. and I've never seen so much emotion come through a finger before. Well, yeah. I mean, let's just yeah. be obvious with that. Like they actually made like him using the mouse with his hand taped down to it. Mm-hmm. Like, there was, you know, like you could tell how frustrated he was getting by how, by, by, you know, like how his finger was using the, uh, uh, the uh, ball mouse and how, uh, um, and especially how he was clicking. Um, and that's, and I feel like that's what I feel like with him and his intensity for Denzel playing the character. I think that's why for me, at least this movie is as well as it's, as it is like mm-hmm. for how much I like it. I feel like that's one of the reasons why I do, because he, he has that ability to like, you know, his facial expressions and like you said, the makeup uh, is with him sweating. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Other than that, I don't really have anything that's not spoilerish. Oh, yeah. I do have one thing to say. This is, this is from uh, 1999. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 20 years ago now. Holy yeah. hell. Um, yeah. Wow. A lot of great movies came out that year. Oh, they did. So I've been meaning to talk to you guys about doing this. I think this is the first one of this. Um, we need to take a look at the the list of those movies because I'm sure there's some that some that we've seen and like, but the others yeah. haven't. So I, we we need to start looking at that. And, or have seen, but it was on network television. Don't really remember it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, for the listeners, we do take that in as having not seen it. Like yeah. if right. if you remember seeing it as a kid, but you don't remember it, like there's yeah, seeing Die yeah. Hard on network television doesn't count because UPKA no. Melon Farmer does not <laughs> Melon <laughs> Farmer. <laughs> They just did a whole episode of the Goldbergs on that premise. They had like a five minute long joke about melons. <laughs> I love that. Um, but yeah, so just to, something to keep in mind yeah. in the future. I think it's a good um, idea. Yeah. Good. So, Devin, do you have anything that's not really spoilerish? I mean, like I said, yeah, I know so the movie's twenty years without old. Without spoilery but. things, there were two things that I think I realized I'm too like millennial about. Uh, <laughs> the first thing is the use of slow mo. I think that because cameras back then didn't shoot in a high enough like frame rate, the slow mo looked really choppy, and I didn't love it. Um, and the other thing was in one scene, they were walking outside of Denzel's apartment to get into their car. And it was just gratuitous blue filter. Did any of you guys catch that? Yeah. The the white balance was definitely off in that shot. Well, I um, thought that was an artistic choice. Like I, I thought it, they wanted if it. It was, it was a weird one. Are, are you are you talking about <laughs> the scene where they go to rescue uh where they uh where 
Angelina's going out on on her first like yeah like thing, yep. and they get in the car to and she's explaining yeah 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 to yep, save the exactly. wife. Yeah, that was that, a little I yeah. always thought it was because like uh let's see we lost the Red October right we didn't sure. release that one okay so yeah for, for the listeners if this is your first time listening we did like a month's worth of recordings and they all got lost so we can't you know do them but anyway um we talked about the very last scene in red october where it it was supposed to be a night shot and the blue gray filter that was on it was just awful compared to the like blue screen like static picture that was behind them as they were supposed to be sailing through like a river and I so whenever I see like a real outdated, you know, bad like filter shot, I always expect it's because for some reason the director or writer wanted the weather to play a point and they needed it to be mm-hmm. cloudy. So I just figured it was like, oh, it's supposed to be cloudy. It's New York, you know, yeah. shadows, whatever. That's I that I don't know. I mean, well, it was definitely I mean, I striking think- though. It, it does kind of take yeah. you out of it a little bit. But I think color does play a big part in this movie because like all of Denzel's apartment is just tones of brown. Mm-hmm. And like I think that's deliberate and like it matches the like not to be weird about this, but it matches the same color scheme as like the Peregrine Falcon that you see on the windowsill and like taking off and like like everything kind of matches the environment a little bit. And I so for that point, I was like, OK, they're going for that. Like not my cup of tea, but that's what they're going for. Yeah. yeah. And I think the like the whole film itself is a lot of brown and orange tones and then mm-hmm. like a lot of it like when they're in the tunnels or rescuing people from the docks it's dark because it's night mm-hmm. but i think that that shot of blue that you were talking about is just so jarring because it's different from everything else mm-hmm. and I, I I, maybe maybe that's used to signify her going into this line of work because it's completely sure. different from what she is and they're cops so nypd blue Maybe yeah. I I don't know. Yeah, um, I was just taking it as like they wanted it to be cloudy or something, and so they put the filter on it to yeah. Make I, it. But at the same time, it's like what you guys are saying sounds more of a thing for it. Yeah, because nowhere else in that line of like, and nowhere else in that sequence to them getting to where the victim is, is it cl- like is it cloudy? Like it's not right. you know yeah. that that color tone isn't there anymore. Yeah. Um, there are some cool transitions in this. <gasps> Can we talk about my favorite one? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, start with it you. It was when the I think it was when the dad and the daughter got kidnapped, and then it like pulled all the way yeah, back to him. That was my favorite. Oh too. my gosh, mm-hmm. I could not. It was. Uh, I couldn't tell if I loved it or I hate it, but I just went, "Whoa!" That is the most 1999 thing in this movie because you don't see that nowadays. No. Um, yeah, I really, that, that one stuck out to me the most. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like they did, they do some really cool stuff going from scene to scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. They do a lot of flyover shots of New York. Mm-hmm. And at one point they, they go over, I think it's the scene that the opening to that scene where the father and daughter get kidnapped. Um, they fly over grand central. And I was like, hey, yeah. I, I know that bridge. That's the bridge from the fight in the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that is. That's the building that's behind them. That's cool. Battle of New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's that's another. I, this movie just, I, it struck me when I was in high school. Yeah. It, it really yeah. did. Because it was just, it was really one of the first Denzel Washington movies that I've seen. That I saw up until that point. 
I other have... other than the uh, the siege. Okay, I have a oh, question yeah. that I I might cut this out of the podcast depending on where this goes. Good. Um, how do you guys feel about seeing the Twin Towers in movies now? Instinctively, every time I see that, I go out loud. Ah, oh, too soon. Every <laughs> single time. Okay, see, um, sorry, you no, go. I mean, you it's, keep on going. It's a little I thought weird. you were done. I mean, sometimes it's a little bit weird, but I think it's one of those things where it just it not that it dates the movie, but it lets you know when it took place. Yeah, like like the same way that like a CRT computer monitor does, or like I mean, not to compare those two things at all, but you know what I mean. Like it's like okay, this is pre two thousand one. Got it. Yeah, I mean, go ahead and say okay. what you're no, say. no, it's okay. So, my thing, I take it totally at like whenever there's a movie filmed in LA, there's always a shot of the LA skyline. There's always right. that, like, there's always, I don't know if it's a bell tower or a watchtower, or there's a tower that's in that is the, like circular one, it, not the circular one, but. That's when I, I was getting to, but there's like, there's like a bell tower or like an old watchtower that's on a hill um, uh, and kind of like a, kind of like a urban, like home, uh, uh, residential community. That it, it, it might be, but yeah, there's that one. There's that circular building that's in, uh, LA. That, yeah. There's that one. There's also yeah. the like, really thin white pyramid looking building that they like to show a lot when movies are filmed yeah. in Chicago, they like to show the Sears tower, which I'll never mm-hmm. refer to it as the, uh, whatever it is now, Willis, yeah, tower, they but it. that's a nickname. That's a nickname. It's the Sears tower. <laughs> um, got it. um, and then you've got in New York pre nine 11, like if, you know, if you wanted to like, you know, let people know, Hey, this is taking place in New York. You show the twin towers. Yeah. And right. to me, it's just one of those, it's, it just lets you know what time period the movie's in at this mm-hmm. point. I, I don't really, movies that had to change themselves after 9-11. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, and we movies that were, a f- yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, and, uh, and, uh, and movies that the release date was changed because they had to uh because they were afraid that some scenes in it would like strike people kind of like uh collateral damage yeah like that movie those are the only movies that make me cringe a little bit Mm -hmm. watching them because i know there's a scene missing i know the original intention isn't there but when it comes to like this and other movies where they show them it's just it's like ah this is you know pre-9-11 you have stuff like collateral damage that was like oh we're not going to release this until later yeah and then you have shows like 24 is like oh we're leaning into this yeah. he kills terrorists with towels down their throat yeah like we're, <laughs> like, we're just gonna <laughs> lean into this yeah uh i think like every time i like i don't know if it's just because i was so young seeing everything that happened on 9-11 like every mm-hmm. time i see it i just like part of me gets a little bit sad and mm-hmm. like, it kind of just it still affects me, which is weird. Yeah. Well, but like I know, like my brother who was born in two thousand one is not going to have that reaction. Yeah. So. Right. Well, to to me, it's I when you see them. I mean, of course, it's one of those things where just seeing them reminds you of it. Because I mean, anybody that's that was old enough to be in at least, I would say maybe third, third or fourth grade, has mm-hmm. a very clear 
remembrance of that morning. Yeah. It's just like any other major tragedy that happens to you. And it's because the Twin Towers was such a landmark for this country, especially for the movie industry, that when you see them, I mean, it's jarring because like that was part of our national wonders. Like the Twin Towers was like, you know, it's like you've got the you've got the arch in St. Louis. You've got the Seattle Space Needle. You have you've got um, different landmarks throughout the country. And the Twin Towers were part of that. Yeah. And so it was kind of like a national identity. So, I mean, when you see them and obviously if you're old enough to remember that day, it's going to hit you. And something like this where it's just in an establishing shot is a lot easier to process than like Kevin McAllister on top of the Twin Towers in Home Alone 2. That's yes. That scene, okay, I'll admit, I know that I said that the only movies that really affect me when it comes to that yeah. is movies that were affected in their making or like release date because something happened that made the movie change. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only movie that has the Twin Towers in it that makes me not the most upset that the fact that it, the scene is still in the film, but it's one of those things where it's like Oh man, I was on the roof of the World Trade Center. Like you know, like yeah. you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like it, it, it reminds you of being somewhere that absolutely nobody can ever experience again. Yeah. Yep. All right. So moving on from nine eleven, <laughs> heady topic. Yeah. Um, yeah, we go from Falcomer's throat cancer to nine eleven. Oh man, we are. It's talking about so the, the first act of John Wick where a puppy dies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, yeah. So, do we want to get into spoilers at, for a twenty at year this old point, movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why not? Um, <laughs> one thing this movie does really well that I, I have to give it credit for is mm. the Michael Rooker bait and switch. And do you yes. know what I mean by that? I've heard you bring up bait and switch before, okay. but it's still a concept. They make, they make that you I'm... think that Michael Rooker is the the murderer of the whole oh, time. Oh yeah, oh and they absolutely that, do. And right up until the scene where you find out he's not, they like they re- they really lean into it. Yeah, and then yeah. they're like, ah, nope, not him. It's this other guy that you barely saw in the movie the entire time. But if you watch it again, knowing that it's him. Uh-huh. And this is one of those things where th- 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 this is where I realize that I love the fact of how attentive I get uh, is when I watch movies. When you rewatch it the second time after you know who it is, that it's the mm-hmm. like medical tech assistant for the, the yeah. medical equipment. When they're going over the um, the pieces of evidence for the college student in the old stockyard. Yeah. It, he comes in and he's like, oh, yeah, he what has- are you guys doing? And he's looking around. He's looking at the pieces. And it's like, OK, watching this the first time, you just think that he's just, you know, some nosy tech that's like, oh, cool. They're doing a police investigation. This is interesting. But then yeah. knowing that it's him, you start looking like he's smirking. Right. Like he's, he's smiling. Like this isn't game. a look of somebody who's being curious. Like this is th- this is the look of somebody who's being entertained yeah. by what knows. they're doing. Yeah. And that's another, and, and that's another reason why I like this movie. Why why I started liking this movie even more is the fact that they put those little things in there so that you can continue to watch this movie again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And I mean, at a certain point, you run out of things because it's pretty much a straightforward film. But I mean, right. there's still things in it that, that you know you can rewatch it maybe two or three times and still be entertained by it and pick things up. 
So the one thing I did like about that and specifically who the bad guy was is I really did like his reasons for doing what he did. I thought that it was it wasn't too extreme and it wasn't too like, I just want to watch people die. Like it was less maniacal villain and more understandable, I think. So what exactly was his motivation? Because I'm a little bit confused. So he he tampered with evidence at murder scenes to frame other people no he he was he he was bad at what he was doing so what mm-hmm. was he doing he wasn't good he was doing what he, what denzel was doing okay he was doing what denzel was doing and he messed he messed up and he decided mm-hmm. to take the law into his old hands pretty much and tamper with evidence that's okay. that's so i mean he did tamper he did tamper, but he was bad at what he was doing to begin with. Mm-hmm. And he was being kind of like, you know, he, he didn't like the fact of somebody else from, you know, from, from a different like part of the country coming in and overstepping him pretty much. Like he felt mm-hmm. like he got overstepped yeah. and yeah. he spent all that time, you know, in prison and that's, and then somehow became a medical deck. Right, that part was a little bit of a stretch. It's a, yeah, but, it's a yeah. little stretch, a little bit of a stretch that he's the medical tech for the guy that he wanted to murder. I mean, he was using a pseudonym though. I mean, not that that means yeah. much, but well, in the days before the internet, like maybe that was true. easier to do. Well, well, no, they have the internet. They make that very clear that they have the internet. Well, <laughs> okay, okay, so, so search the internet for this. Okay, okay, so <laughs> this is where. Devin, and I love the fact that you mentioned this before, like you mentioned something about like the slow-mo thing and you're like, this is the millennial in me that I can't like, you know, see past and whatever. Yeah. But okay. So for just age range, so people are listening. So they know where I'm coming from with this statement. You two went to high school at the same time. Like you two were in the same grade, right? So you're two at the same age. Yes. And what's the age difference between you and I again? Uh, How old are you? I'm 33. Uh, this is weird because this is my birthday month. Uh, so like four years, four, four or five years, four or five years. Okay. So when I was, so when I was in my freshman year of high school, Mm -hmm. uh, you were in sixth grade. What year was that? Uh, the 99 to 2004, uh, the 99 to 2000 school year. I was in fourth grade, fourth grade. And then I would have been in fifth grade. Yeah. Because I graduated in 08. Okay, so this is where age comes into play, and this is why I feel like a lot of late '90s movies and like movies that came out in like 2000 and 2001 aren't going to have the biggest fans amongst like your guys's age group. And I know that I'm like nitpicking here over like a four-year difference. That's fine. So we can take it. We- okay. That's we, fine. We millennials get dragged a lot. <laughs> no, 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 I'm a millennial too. I'm I'm on the older, I'm on the older, uh, I'm on the uh, older uh, uh, end of the spectrum. But yeah, that's I mean, but still, I'm still millennial too. Um, oh, I'm not saying it's justified. Yeah. I'm just saying we get dragged a lot. I know. Believe oh, yeah. me, I know. I get dragged too. Um, and this isn't even really a, a, um, a millennial thing. Um, during that time for the internet, like Google didn't exist. Mm. Yahoo really didn't even exist at that point. And if it did, if I remember, it was horrible. Um, it was just Jeeves. It, it, it was oh, Ask Jeeves. Jeeves. I, I was, yeah, I mean, 
it was pretty much that. And actually, uh, and that really wasn't the best search engine to really begin with. But anyway, um, the fact that it's the NYPD and they have, and it's their crime scene investigation like department, their internet service is linked with the state government and partly through the federal government. So they would have access to like the things that they're talking about, blueprints, you know, when things go under, they'll, they would have had access to that stuff at that point. But anybody else and prior to like, you know, like the, the early Mm nineties, the internet really wasn't like a, like it, it was a thing, but the only people who really, really, really used it ended up being like millionaires by like 2005. Yeah. yeah. My, my biggest thing is, yeah, they have access to the internet because they're the NYPD. I get that. That's fine. What mm-hmm. I have trouble buying is that they're able to, in an afternoon, bring all of their equipment over to Denzel's apartment and get it all set up and connected and good to go. It would I depend. Never even about that. Well, here because this here. movie takes place within the span of two or three days. Yeah. So right because literally it's like set up in the beginning. I'm going to help you solve these mur- this murder, and then they bring Angelina Jolie over, and then like they they find the the wife that evening. Like it's all in the same day. I guess so. Yeah. Because mm. they they say the date. He's like, what ele- eleven. Nine one nineteen eleven nine. That's today. What time is it? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, it's noon. Okay, well, we have until four p.m. So it's all in one day, and like getting everything over there that quickly. Like, I, I like that was just a stretch for me. That was also a very nineties thing to like show off tech. Yeah, just and like it show was the 90s off technologically. Mean it was right? No, 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 no. But 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 okay. So here's the thing. He was the lead investigating. Uh, he was the lead investigator for four mm-hmm. crime scenes in New York City. So anytime something weird happened, he was there. They talk mm-hmm. about how, you know, he's read over a thousand books and he's written a dozen. He's done speeches at like national assemblies when it comes to crime scene investigation. My dad was, uh, he worked in the medical field and he worked for a company that did, uh, uh, Medicare consulting for billing for small oh, sure. hospitals. The company paid for the local phone and cable and internet service to put in a professional industrial grade internet phone and fax line into our house. And he must have had five or six circuits in the wall just to plug in computers and phones and faxes. Now, with who he was and that apartment. Mm-hmm. that he lived in i would not be surprised if if the if the nypd with him being a salaried detective more than likely mm-hmm. i'm willing to bet anything that he would have had those type of phone jacks and and internet jacks in his house that they could have hooked up five or six computers to didn't didn't they say yeah. that his accident happened 4 years ago it happened it happened 4 years prior yeah. I mean, so even his bed, like that you saw, like, you know, in the beginning before everybody moved everything in, he had what at the time would have been considered state of the art technology. Yeah. He was giving voice commands to a computer to play chess. So he had the hookups already. Like, I think his apartment was as 1990s, like, exciting as it could fair. have been. 
Yeah. I didn't and like that way. Yeah. Well, I just like so I just did a quick Google search on what the internet in 1999 is, and March 27th, 1999 is when Google acquired Netscape. Or not Google, sorry, when AOL acquired Netscape, making AOL the biggest internet provider. So that's like the level of internet we're talking about right now. Okay. Yeah, America, so like America what Online. What they showed off is super futuristic. Yeah. Yeah. So and there absolutely was. What What yeah. is your guys? What are your earliest internet memories? Since we're going down this train. Oh boy. Stick death. I remember. Um, oh, you had Ryan. Stick death. You had actually you had E-Bombs World was like the first like geek like center of like the internet when it came to like the like like they had so they they had games they had what basically was the creation of like the meme or or what would basically turn into the meme and they had the creation of gifs of like funny little things and prior to any type of like search engine that was easy to use i mean the the late nine the late late 90s 98 and 99 and then eventually 2000 saw the birth of like easy to use internet interfaces prior to that it wasn't as easy to use granted there was a lot of like niche websites and it was kind of like the wild west yeah um yeah. but like it was what they use the internet for in the movie to me fits the time period for what they're trying to find. Because mm -hmm. at that time, any major city that was starting to get on board of this, like having interconnected networks, um, they were starting in the mid nineties to early nineties, starting to scan in all of their paperwork. So when he says to her, like, uh, uh, go online and see if you can find, you know, the different, you know, uh, stockyards that, you know, we had in New York, you know, however, uh, however, however long ago, um, that's realistic, you know, trying to find that type of stuff. What I do like in the one scene though, is that Denzel asks the like the guy on the microscope, which I totally forget his name. Luis Guzman. Yeah, him. Yeah. Um, he asks him to look closer, and he looks up and says, "I can't bring that here." You know, so I yeah. did like that at the fact that they did show that they, you know, that they could bring all this stuff over, but they were still limited on what they could actually yeah. bring. So, I mean, I did like yeah. that little thing. That okay. they kind of well, like, they yeah. still cemented it in some kind of reality. I mean, granted, getting the lab packed up and over to the apartment in like two hours in the city of New York, even like four blocks away, yeah, no, that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like flat out, that wasn't going to happen. All right, Devin, what's your earliest internet memory? My earliest internet memory is um, having a computer in the basement of my grandma's house and begging my dad to go onto the Ninja Turtles official website so I could print out coloring pages of the Ninja Turtles and listen to the theme song while I did it because that was my like that was my dream of the internet. And guess what? That website probably had the ability to print out like maybe the four pages that you printed out. Yeah. Probably had two tracks of like the song that mm -hmm. that uh that 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 you could play and had a link to another different web page that had a description of how they made the web page because it was so new 
of a Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. That's all that was on and, those pages. Yeah, and I had a time limit because my grandma had to be on the phone too because she liked talking on the phone. So I could only do that for a half an hour while my grandma waited because we were tying up the phone lines. Yep. Oh, I love it. Alan? I, re- I remember that basement well. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good um, basement. My earliest memory of the internet is we had our – we had a – I don't even know what computer it was, but we had a computer set up in our living room. We had mm-hmm. shitty dial-up internet. And me and my sister wanted to go to Nickelodeon.com because it's Nickelodeon. So yeah. my parents got us on to Nick.com and it started loading. But then we had to take the car to the garage. So we take the car to the garage. They do their thing. Three hours later, we come back. It's still not completely loaded. <laughs> like It was so slow. And like oh, I love that. We were so disappointed. Like, oh, we're going to get home and it's going to be already. It wasn't. We never got to Nick.com. I still have never been to Nick.com. That's so sad. Okay, so here's where I was happy that my dad had the job that he had. Because while Mm -hmm. other people that I knew struggled with the same things that you were talking about, even in like my age group, um, I was able to go on my dad's like laptop that he used for work. And when I mean laptop, I'm talking about a compact laptop that was like almost an inch thick when it was folded compact at all. Yeah, no. (laughs) Um, So I would go on and I would load up Windows 95 (laughs) and um, I'd go on and I'd pull up America online, sign in, you have the, you know, the sounds and then you would, you would have to know the website address. And Mm -hmm. so any of the commercials or any of the magazines that, you know, had these different sites. Like they were like, ask your parents for permission and help and go on. Because if you put in nickjr.com and go to Nick Jr., you get Nick Jr. But if you spelled neckjr.com, it was a porn site. Like there was no doubt that they they would do that. Five minutes and everything was porn. (laughs) It was. I'm not going to lie. It was. I mean, and... And prior to America Online and prior to any of the easy interfaces in the early 90s, it was bulletin boards. Like, have you, uh, I'm going to assume you two have both seen uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So his brother, when he's talking about like talking to hot babes online or whatever, Ah. like those weren't like normal like chat groups like this wasn't even like the mid 90s like AOL like you know chatting on AIM like this is you go onto a website you type on a board you close out it goes up you wait two or three minutes then you log back in and then you see if somebody replied to you like think of like a non-refreshing like um like a uh, uh a forum thread that doesn't refresh automatically. Like you have to log out and yeah. log back in again. Yep. That's oh, what yeah. chatting on the internet was I, in the early nineties. Our marching band had one in high school. What did they? Yeah. You don't remember that on your Zanga no. page. It might've been <laughs> on your Zanga page. Yeah. We had that. It was like, it was like my sophomore or junior year. We had that weird. I don't you were on there. I know you were. I guarantee you I was on there. I just don't remember. It was all yeah. a blur of just, hormones and terribleness all right so we're about 40 minutes into this podcast and we have yet to mention angelina jolie by name i have a couple what times are we doing with our lives well we've all we haven't really talked about her about much we've okay we so 
Okay, so fo- focusing away from the tech and away from the early '90s, I mean the late the late '90s, 90s <laughs> and all this stuff. Okay, so we have uh, we have uh, we have Denzel. But I talked about him. I know that you guys mm-hmm. kind of touched on him a little bit. Mm-hmm. This is my favorite Angelina Jolie movie. Bold statement, Cotton. This is my favorite movie with her in it. Okay. I will, because, I mean, here's the thing. When I was young in high school and Tomb Raider, uh, Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider came out, I was a teenage boy. Of course, I'm going to like the movie, you know, whatever. But anyway, when it came to like her performance, I liked her in this more than anything else she's ever done that I've seen. Interesting. I don't think I'm a big Angelina Jolie fan at and, all. And I'm not either. Really? But I'm just saying, like, this is the one movie that she's in where I where it's like I'm watching the movie and I don't like it's like, oh, that's Anna. That's her. You know, you, you know what I mean? Like they don't they they her character is a normal cop. It's a normal person. Mm-hmm. They don't sex her up. No. They don't put yeah. her in positions that make her half naked. Like I'll give her, I'll give them credit for that. But the problem is, yeah. I'm watching this in 2019, where Angelina Jolie has been at the top of the A list for the last 10 years, if not more, 10, 15 years. So mm-hmm. seeing her, like seeing her play this, not schlubby sounds bad, but just playing a schlubby cop in New, a beat cop in New York, I don't buy, and that's just because of where I'm watching it now. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I was thinking about that because it's a very different place from where she is now. Like now she shows up in a movie like, I mean, what was the one? She played like Maleficent or something. Yeah, Yeah, it was Maleficent. She like plays that and it's like Angelina Jolie as Maleficent. And you like, it's like there's a lot of star power behind that name, but she wasn't really well established before this movie, was she? She was not. This was well before her like launch because. I mean, this was right before her big launch was Girl Interrupted, which came out in 99. So well, I mean, and shot in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Here's the thing: when it comes to Girl Interrupted, like she had an amazing performance in that as well. Mm -hmm. But her acting ability is shown in Girl Interrupted first, and then for me personally, in this movie, and then after that, I believe it was what Tomb Raider. It was her. I think that was like her first like I'm the main character like superstar movie in '99. Bone Collector comes out, then Girl mm-hmm. Interrupted, where, where she won the Oscar. Yeah. Then she's in Pushing Tin. Oh, yeah. And Gone in 60 Seconds. I didn't know she was in that. Comes out in 2000. 2001, you have Original Sin and then Laura Croft. Yeah. So, yeah, like, she. so her winning the Oscar is really what cemented her as A-list, because that's usually how it goes yeah sure jennifer lawrence became a-list when she won an oscar even though she was only yeah three movies yeah and the little angle show yeah so i mean to me like i i think just i'll i like her in this movie like i feel like her as a b-cop to me because i mean if you go to new york i mean the nypd the the new york police department the new york city Mm -hmm. police department when you go mm-hmm. through all the boroughs and you go through all of the stations and all of the different, like, you know, the the normal B cops, the detectives, the the the, the, the like file clerks, mm-hmm. the New York Police Department in numbers is bigger than some countries' armies. 
So, I yeah. mean, you are, so to me, New York City, her, just the way that she looks naturally being a cop, it never really struck me as odd. It was just, oh, she's a younger female officer. And then they also well, explained like that, they did. Oh, go ahead. And then they also explain kind of a little bit for people that couldn't really take it. They were like, yeah, she was yep. also like a model when she was younger. I was going to bring that up type yep. deal. And then she found her dad shot. See, and I then, would be a lot better with this movie if they didn't do that. Like that pissed if me they did off. The model thing. Yeah. The model thing Why? is stupid. It doesn't need <laughs> to be there. <laughs> well, here, the reason why I think it fits, the reason why mm -hmm. I like the fact that they did it was because they spend so much time about her finding her dad after yeah. he committed suicide. And they, you know, they show her reaction when Denzel Washington is looking at her file and he brings yeah. it up and the look on her face and she gets real defensive about it. And, and, and of course there's other scenes where she's talking about it as well. Um, but it, it shows that she was on a completely different life path. Like she was a model. She was mm -hmm. going to, you know, uh, uh, um, her education was going a certain way. And then she found her dad. And then that completely derailed the life that she was going to have. And then she became a cop instead. And then she went to being a beat cop, not even a detective. Like she was, you know, they show her with like a middle-aged, overweight, white officer eating a hot dog at a hot dog cart. And she's like, oh, I'll take it. So they're showing that him and her are doing the same job. It can't be a New York movie, a movie about a New York cop without a scene like that. Oh, I know. I no, know. I know, I know. I know. I know. I know. I know the contract they signed with the city to do I, film I, in New York. I, I know, I know, but uh, all of that. Yes. Given all of that, she's going into child services. She's going into youth protection mm -hmm. and it's, and, and, and it's, uh, and to me that's showing that, you know, she, she has the intelligence to be an actual crime scene detective to actually, you know, put these puzzles together but she's floundering because, you know, she's in this, you know, like employment structure that is so big and she's trying to find a spot for herself and she's having a hard time. You know, and that's I mean, I like the fact that I like the fact that they showed that she had like a different life path going on prior to finding her dad shot. Well, mm -hmm. committed suicide. That's right. why I liked it. Mm hmm. I can understand I, your grievance, though. I can understand. I don't know. I, I don't think I either like loved or hated it. I think it just added some backstory to her character that it wasn't just like. And one day she appeared. I see. And I, I kind of like that. I just have a whole problem with that scene because I don't understand why the cop went to the window instead of the door. Is there a he reason? Says he, even, he says that he was knocking that. on the door. But she was awake, and if he was, she, she would... She, she was also in a completely, like, like she was also distraught. Like, she was stressed out. Like, there's a reason why they show her and, like, you know, like, dealing with the stuff that she was dealing with and being in her apartment and being the way she was. And then it's not until he has to break in through the freaking window to get her attention because she's so zoned out. It's still weird. <laughs> made a good... I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I thought it was, I mean, it, it, as far as the window is concerned, I have no idea, 
But <laughs> I did like that that then showed that like her relationship, whatever it was with Denzel Washington helped to solve a lot of the problems that she had, that she had coming into the movie. And like, yeah. you saw why she had the chip on her shoulder. And then you saw that Denzel Washington solved all of her problems. Yeah. Like he and, always and, does. And then by the end of the movie, they're all living happily ever after. Together. <sighs> Together. Together. Which, oh no, she couldn't do beforehand. Um, question, was the awkward, oh no, I accidentally dropped the evidence on your penis scene a little bit weird for you guys too? Where she was like, look at yeah. this little scrap of paper. Oh, now there it is. And then she messes up his catheter and says, oh. seizure. that's how I took that. Like, oh, that was fun. But you just put your knee on his catheter and put it in a knot. And now he's having a seizure. Oh boy, I didn't think about it that way. Okay, so Ooh. a knot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My met okay, so I'm not gonna get into it, but I have uh extensive medical history and half of it in deals and catheters. So just yeah, that's sure. all I'm saying. Um with the type of medical state that he was in being the type of that's the one thing that so they they do a good job with him being paralyzed and they yeah. do a really good job with on yeah. all of the medical aspects of his condition needing to have a 24-hour nurse needing to have a catheter the fact that he can barely move but he can move his one finger so he can use a mouse like you know mm-hmm. using the like the uh, the straw thing to move the bed up and down like that yeah. all of that was dead on perfect almost everything about him and his medical condition was on point which I loved because to me it made the movie more real. Yeah. That, 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 that scene <laughs> was the one scene where I was like, eh, okay, they needed something for her to like set him off somehow. So whatever. Yeah. But the whole thing with like, if your catheter is blocked, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but you're not going to have a reaction to your catheter being blocked. Like, two seconds after it happens like he's gonna have a full bladder the nurse is gonna see that he hasn't had urine drained into the bag and then she's gonna check it It, it's not gonna set him off in a seizure unless because since he is paralyzed it's one of the like permanent catheters so it's got a balloon at the end of it so it can't pull itself out i'm not sure if you guys knew about that i just blacked out on everything you just said because it hurts. Okay, so... Oh, no. <laughs> okay, okay. So the type of catheter that he yeah. would have had has yeah. a balloon on the end of it. So after it gets inserted, they sure. inflate this balloon so that it can't just come out. Got it. Okay. Like, it... it it's okay, got, I, I get what you said. I thought yeah. you meant like a balloon yeah. on the outside, but you mean like yeah. a balloon on the inside. Inside. <laughs> gotcha. So, so, so like, so it's deflated when it goes in. So it's a normal, mm-hmm. you know, like when thin, they clean out your arteries. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. they fill it up with, I think it's, it's not air. It's some type of like liquid or something. Um, mm-hmm. So it, uh, so it fills up so it can't just come out. I can see him going into a seizure and this is going to be painful for a lot of people listening. The only way I can see mm-hmm. that going into a seizure is that when she put her knee down on the bed, she pulled the catheter, which made it try to pull out. Oh, which would have tugged on the bladder, which would have messed with the muscles, which would have sent him into the seizure. That's the only thing I can think of for why that that happened the second she did it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I do kind of like that scene, though, because Mm -hmm. that's like the first time other um, because they show that Denzel that Denzel's character is very intelligent Mm -hmm. and likes to needle people. 
Mm. Yeah. He definitely likes to needle people and she needles right back. So right then and there, after after their like first, you know, like meeting, like he's intrigued by her. He's like, ah, she's, you know, she's witty. She's intelligent. Like he's all, he's all, he's already interested. And then that happens. And there's a lot of looks back and forth between the two of them of like, she's starting to like him. He's starting to like her. So I liked the fact that that scene is in there. It just from somebody that has experience with catheters in my medical history. Mm -hmm. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Ouch. (laughs) Devin. So what? Oh, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. I was going to completely switch topic. No, go for it. Go ahead. So while we're talking about his medical condition and, and all of those things, can we talk about their fight scene at the end? So for those of you that yes. haven't seen the movie, there is a fight scene at the end between the main bad guy and quadriplegic Denzel Washington. And he fights back and almost wins despite being quadriplegic. Do we think – okay, so during some of it, I was straddling a line between going, I guess that's a pretty contrived reason that he could start to win the fight. I guess that's a pretty contrived reason. His hand hurts. Why is he limping? Stuff like that. And then going – this is the best way they could have ever pulled this fight scene off. My, and I was straddling that line. My favorite way, my favorite part of that fight scene is when he just collapses the bed on the killer's hand and just right. smashes it to hell. Cause they don't yeah. even cut away from that. They just show it all to you. Um, I think that might've been my favorite moment of the movie. Cause it makes yeah. such good use of his bed, like yes. him using his environment and everything to his advantage. That mm-hmm. he has because he can only move his head and shoulders. So yeah. like all he can do is really bite and then he does. So Right. Well, and also the part that like struck me a little bit was the fact that he's the like the guy that he's fighting is his like medical tech. So he knows exactly what parts of him work and what parts don't work. And the first thing he does is break his only functioning finger. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, dick move guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like the the killer from the whole movie is the bad guy for some reason. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> um, I love the fight at the end. No, I, I like. I too. mean, yeah, I, I think it fits. Perfectly. I didn't like the slow mo when she comes in and kills him. But, yeah, but I mean, yeah. Like, I really, I, I wish the movie would have just ended there because after that, it just gets really bad for me. Like, I didn't, I was not a fan of anything after that fight scene. But he has a silly tie. I know, um, <laughs> but oh man, like the whole Christmas party scene. Like now, Denzel has a sister that they haven't mentioned the whole movie until. No, now. they mentioned. Did they? Yeah, yeah. The when, very okay, beginning. She asks the. She asks one of the detectives. You know, well, what about family? And he says, "Oh, he has a sister, but you know, he cut them off. He hasn't talked to them in years." Oh, okay, I missed that. So, yeah. I mean, they. So, yeah, I mean, I was in my fever state. That's that when point, you were sick. So. so, I totally understand. I mean, don't don't worry about that. But I, mean, I kind of liked it because one, it shows that he lives after that incident. Like, it yeah. doesn't set him into well, like. Uh, okay, I take back my statement of I didn't like everything after the the, no. the fight scene. I liked when they showed the empty bed. And there's that split second of, oh, my God, he went through with it. Because then you just see the doctor and then he's yeah. in the chair. And I was like, OK, I like that. I like that reveal. Yeah, that's a nice. Mm-hmm. That's a good trick um, to play on the audience. Yeah, good job. Good job. Yeah. Movie. So, I mean, that I just I I feel like everything like I feel like the movie ended the way movies should end that have this kind of like a theme. Yeah. But 
the other thing is like the movie ends and all I could think of was the quote from speed uh, at the very end where Keanu Reeves says to the um, Sandra Bullock, I have to warn you. I've heard relationships based on intense experiences never work. Like I, was like, I didn't, I didn't really buy their relationship throughout the whole movie. And I didn't really buy them as a couple at the end either. I feel like the actors they picked for this movie fit well for the storyline and fit well for um, the, the working relationships that yeah. they had. The only time I feel I feel like where their chemistry failed was in their like the like relationship or like the romance aspect. Like they clicked on everything else. Like it was very believable about, you know, him being the mentor and, you know, her being the student yes. and, mm-hmm. and all of, like like that fit perfectly. Their, you know, their timing with each other was great the one thing that was off and I, and they never did a movie together after this, if I remember correctly. I don't know. I don't think so. So, I mean, and again, I can't, I can't say that maybe they didn't like working with each other because on, on every other aspect of their characters, you know, they hit a home run with working with each other. It was just, it was, it was that relationship thing, but at the same time, and I might be criticized for saying this. I wonder if <laughs> it doesn't work to a point, or maybe if there's a lot of people out there that maybe don't like see it working. Cause I, I didn't, you know, like I said, I feel like their chemistry w- w- was off for that one part of the relationship. Maybe it's the like medical thing. I mean, maybe. Like maybe. I said, it's a very touchy subject. I very, mean, very, very touchy subject. A lot but. of the time when they're together and not talking about the cases that they're working, it's just dead quiet. Yeah. And yeah. Like, a lot can be said with silence, but mm-hmm. I don't think what they wanted to say was said. Yeah. If that makes any sense. And the does. thing is, like, when I first saw this movie... I didn't really realize that, oh, they like each other until like the first time through the movie. And I saw the end where they were like together, like as a couple at the party. And I was like, oh, well, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. And then yeah. I'd watch the movie a couple more times. I'm like, ah, that's where they're trying to set this up. That's yeah. what they were trying to do. So well, I, think that I was mean, my problem with the whole like evidence dropping scene, because I'm like, oh, this is going to happen now. All right. Yeah. Because it's the same thing. The way they set it up is that she, uh, he, 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 he's himself. She gets offended. She, uh, she, you know, pops off at him, and then he needles back, and then she needles back, and then he gives her a look, and that look is of being intrigued. And then after that, it's you know going back and forth. He's you know he's tough on her, and then she you know has her spat of like, no, I can't do this. And then he gets her back into it. Yeah. And then there's the trust build up with him going through her personnel file, which that was a weird sentence to say. He builds up her trust by going through her personnel file. <laughs> um, and then he says comforting things to her. And then she gets, you know, emotional and, you know, she, you know, decides to, you know, just go ahead and like go with it. So, I mean, there's, there's undertones to some of the scenes of them building up their like romantic relationship between the two characters. Mm-hmm. It's just like I said. I feel like on every other aspect of of um, of 
of the movie and of uh, and of their characters, they had perfect timing and they were and they worked off each other really well. I feel like with everything else going on in the movie, that might have been why it didn't come through. Maybe that's why they had Maybe. a hard time trying to get that to link I, up because of everything else that was going on. I have another theory. Okay, so I'm looking at trivia on IMDb. Um, Angelina Jolie has admitted in interviews that she shot nude scenes for this movie, but the director cut them, feeling they distracted from the story. Which a they would, yeah, yeah. But what Absolutely in what context would. were there nude scenes? Maybe she like, might have been maybe changing. Maybe there, there were scenes that help establish this relationship more. Maybe, but I wonder if there were nude scenes with the boyfriend at the beginning. I mean, maybe, but. That's the only thing I can think I, of. I feel like it always would have come across as gratuitous. Like, I feel yeah. like it would have been something stupid, like she's showering now after her hard trauma or something like that. Yeah. Like, and to be honest, necessary. that would have cheapened the entire movie. Of course. Because just the storyline, I mean, granted, it's a typical, you know, cop cops needing to solve a crime, you know, thing. But I would feel like that would take away from what is good about this movie. What its yeah. strengths are. He, I have a, looking at this trivia. I have another problem with this movie now that I didn't realize. <laughs> that. Um, oh no! To confuse audiences, increase and increase tension. Michael Rooker played the mass killer in several scenes. That kind of just what? really that really just pisses me off. <laughs> Wait, really? Put, yeah, because I knew that it was Rooker under the mask. I've seen him enough in interviews and Guardians of the. I've seen Guardians of the Galaxy enough that I've seen his eyes and shit. I knew that was Rooker. <laughs> And I was like, okay, so this isn't where, like, I'll give him credit for not, for going that way, but don't put him in the mask. Okay, right. so this probably goes to my, like, linear, like, because I only like to break down movies and, like, you know, do the whole, like, switch thing and, like, yeah. think about that. Mm -hmm. Like, if the, if the movie is like, oh, my God, there's so much stuff in this film, but this is just a straight yeah. up, like, cop drama that I didn't even think that they were trying to peg Rooker as like the villain throughout the film. I didn't think oh. they were actually trying to do that because I just thought they were just trying to show that he was an asshole cop. I just thought that they were trying to show that he was like a, like interesting you know, that he was just like, you know, like a weak, emotional, like strong headed person because you do have those people. Oh yeah. I mean, definitely where they are weak so emotionally more of a trope than like a red herring. Exactly. Like he was just playing like the thorn they, in their side. I think he was playing both. And I think the way that he's like, as much as he hates everyone else, he really hates Angelina Jolie's character. Mm -hmm. Which I, I found weird. <laughs> um, like I like his, his hatred towards her was just so it was really off putting compared to everyone else. Well, everyone else is just kind of indifferent, but like just towards her, it was. Well, here's how I took that when that when she was a beat cop and she finds the the guy buried by the train tracks. Yeah, yeah. He gets out of his car. Or mm -hmm. he gets out of the car and he's dealing with like he's dealing he's talking with the detectives and he's talking with like the more higher ranking officers. She's a B cop. Yeah. He's mean yeah. to her as a B cop. They show him again in the apartment when they build up the lab. Mm -hmm. And he's talking to them, but they're all ignoring him. Yeah. Right. And and I really, really think, because to me, this is how I took it, is that, and this is where 
I got the whole like weak, you know, like strong headed, you know, weak uh, and strong headed, but weak emotionally was where he got this position and he's very insecure about it. So he only talks with people who are in other leadership positions and he doesn't even want to deal with anybody who's below a supervisor-esque type position. Um, Mm. And then on top of that, when he yells at her, it's because, you know, by stopping that train, you know, who knows how many trains were canceled or diverted because of that one having to stop for like 12 hours. Yeah. So, I mean, he's looking at things more, he's looking at things in a different perspective, a wrong perspective to be, to be bluntly about it. I mean, the train thing, I don't know who's right on that one because that is a major headache just stopping one train. Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right. I think we need to wrap this up. Any other final thoughts on Bone Collector? No, I don't think I have too much. Anything? The only thing, the the, the last thing I have to say is that this movie made me think of another Denzel Washington movie that I haven't seen. Okay. Um, John Q, where he's in the hospital... And he, he it's uh, his son's in the hospital and he like shuts it down because he wants to get the like the the medical stuff his son needs. Like uh-huh. he sells his house. I haven't seen that movie. I've seen that one. And I, I really, really want to. And I was talking to my wife about that. And like I said, I love Denzel Washington. I love his films, but I don't, but I haven't seen all of them. And I and so it's a point now for myself. I am going to buy all of his movies. Yeah, not all, not not all, all of them, because I have to look on IMDb to see what he's in. But yeah, I mean, right. so I'm going to make it a point to like get as much of his stuff as I can. Real quick before before I give my final thoughts, um, uh-huh. he did Fences a few years he ago. He did. Okay. Um, and I was I I collect screenplays, and you guys both know this. Yeah. I yeah. was in Second and Charles the one day, and I found the screenplay for Fences. I was like, wait isn't this just the play? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what's the difference? This should pretty much be the same thing. Only maybe some like screen direction. Uh I just thought that was funny. All right. My last thought on this movie, and it's fitting that we're talking about this at the very end is I Mm -hmm. hated the Peter Gabriel song at the very end. (laughs) I did too. Oh my God. It's not just me. My wife yelled at me for being crazy because it's like, I was not happy about it. No, it was so awkward. Good. Okay. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. It's so like, it does not fit at all. Uh, I like, I tried to like analyze the lyrics, what it was playing. And I'm like, does this have to do with what was just going on on the screen? Is this a romantic journey? But nope. I was just like, Peter Gabriel was popular then. And we're going to put him in the movie. Was he though? Was he really popular in 99? I don't know when Peter Gabriel was popular. All right. The, the song is called Don't Give Up. So I guess it does tie into the whole, hey, don't commit assisted suicide. Like, I guess it, it plays into that because it's a duet with him and Kate Bush. Um, I know the name uh, Kate Bush for some reason. Why do I know that name? George Bush's sister. <laughs> no, 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 not that one. Okay. No, I tried. I don't think so. Um, yeah. I Ryan, what this is your movie. So what do you think of it? I, it never, it was never weird for me. I just, I just thought that it was like, it just, okay. it fit. Well, you saw this back when it came out. So back then this was a thing. 
uh, nowadays it's, you don't really get a pop song to go with. Oh, I don't know. Um, black Klansman. <laughs> like there there's was one like- in- <laughs> okay. 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 So, okay. So th- this is one of those things where I think, I think you asked me this once before, like, or Devin, it might've been you, like mm-hmm. how I take older movies. I yeah. think we're talking about Mary Poppins about the whole like sped up film thing. And it's like, absolutely. Hi. You know, it's like, how do you deal with that? Yeah. I spent a lot of time at home when I was a kid because I was sick. Uh-huh. So I watched a ton of movies in uh-huh. like the mid and like, uh, uh, mostly in like the mid to late nineties. And the stereotype for 90s movies when it came to music was like Godzilla with okay so you it was We've loaded talked about this it, I, yeah. yeah it was loaded with pop music yeah it was loaded with rock yeah. and top 40 and hip-hop or whatever and to me it's just like we kind of talked about with the whole like Twin Towers thing like it the movie is it was made in the late 90s it's definitely a late 90s film there are parts of this that haven't aged well and there's a lot of movies in the 90s that haven't aged well because of their soundtrack Here, here's the thing though like a lot of those movies from the 90s that have the ridiculous soundtrack soundtracks make sense because they're popcorn movies like armageddon and Ar- in aerosmith that's a ridiculous yeah. premise for a movie so uh, don't want to miss a thing completely goes with that that's the kind of movie that should have a pop song on its soundtrack Batman Forever should definitely have Kiss from a Rose and that U2 song <laughs> because I'm it's so Batman mad. Forever. It's the uh. introduction of bat nipples. If you don't have a, a slow ballad on that soundtrack, that becomes a huge pop hit that Devin hates. <laughs> like What a terrible what's the song. Point? Oh my God. Well, see, and, but <laughs> see, at the same time though, like you've got to remember the time period of what this movie was made. Like to me, yeah, it no, fits. But, yeah, it, like, uh, it, but my, what I'm trying to, what I was trying to get at before I, I diluted and just talked about Devin's hate of <laughs> Chris from Rose is this movie like tone wise, it does not fit that. It does not fit that group of movies. Like this is a thriller. Like it's not a popcorn movie. This is like a true crime detective story mm-hmm. that's intense, and like it just that doesn't fit. Then like Peter Gabriel happened. And this is what and this is what I'm saying. Yeah. For the time period this movie was made. Mm-hmm. For the type of music they had in this movie. Because I mean, there wasn't really a lot of like actual like music, like top 40, yeah. like radio music in this movie. So I totally understand where you're coming from about it. Like, you know, you go through this and it's more of just like the normal, like dramatic, like soundtrack type music where it's, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like, it's an orchestra playing in the background. Totally understand that you're saying that it's jarring at the end. But if you were to look at a lot of movies that were straight up dramas, straight up thrillers. This movie, um, you know, other films, they all, I would say about 70% of them had a top 40 song in it from either the 90s or the 80s towards the end of the film. And I, it's just, it's a thing. It, it's just it's like with the thing. It's just, it's a period thing. So for that time, the execs, 
whoever made those decisions thought that it was a fitting song to have at the end. Who knows? Maybe Peter Gabriel had a cousin that owed him a favor who was in the boardroom for this movie or something. I love how your excuse for this this song is Peter Gabriel was owed a favor. (laughs) It's not an excuse. I love that. The excuse excuse is that it's the time period. I'm not going to hate on a movie that has sped up film from the 60s. I know. Because it's from the 60s. The, the problem yeah. with it is like where a lot of those movies succeed in having a song that fits the genre that it's in. Yeah. Like, and it works. Peter Peter Gabriel doesn't fit. Like watching this movie 20 years later, it just doesn't fit. Here's <laughs> My the wife thing. wants to kill me. Here's the thing. I mean, but, here's okay. So here's the thing. 20 years later, from somebody who was in fourth grade. When this movie came out, it doesn't fit. I would 100% back you on that. I will back your opinion. I'm fine with that. From somebody who saw this movie when I was at least a freshman in high school, and I can remember the type of radio uh, music that was on the radio, that was on the pop station, that that were on the country stations, that was on the rock stations, from the music that they played in TV shows, from the music that they played in other movies, Mm -hmm. for the time period, Peter Gabriel... And that song is fine and makes sense because of the lyrics, Devin, because of what you were saying. Yeah. For the end of this movie, I'm fine 20 years later looking at this from a modern point of view and saying, what could make this movie fit better for a more modern audience? Let's make these tweaks. I'm fine with that. Yeah. But for this movie being made in 1999, having this be the original cut that was originally released to me, as long as you understand that this is a pre 2000, you know, pre early millennium film. It makes sense. Okay. (laughs) It's what they did in almost all the movies. So yes, your wife and I are on board are on like almost the same page with this. I mean, here's the thing is I totally get you, Ryan. I understand that. Cause like, I don't know if any of you have seen the the Netflix like documentary series, the nineties, but this is, you're right. This is the shit they did back then. Like there was a cop drama that was also a musical. That was a TV show that came out in the nineties. This cop totally rock? tracked with what, is, is that what it's called? Is it cop rock? I think so. Ah, that like, that was the thing. This tracks what they did in the nineties as a modern movie goer. Just meh, meh. I don't think I like it. So I'm like splitting both of your opinions. Cause I get what the nineties was going for and I hate it. And continue to hate it. <laughs> and that is fine. Yeah. As long as you yeah. admit that the reason why you don't like it is because you're a modern moviegoer and you expect yes. certain things to be a certain way. And you know what? Absolutely. I will totally agree that the mo- more modern way of making films, like for the past, like I would say maybe like 12 years, mm-hmm. I really like outside of a couple films that were made prior to like this timeline. But at the same time, a lot of films that are still timeless today, like, like silence of the lambs, that movie, even though it's dated by tech and cultural reasons is timeless and it still fits. It can still scare the crap out of somebody today. And it's because of the way that it was, the way that it's made is not in, is almost dead on to how they would make that movie again today 
So that's why I feel like a lot of classics from like the 70s, 80s and 90s, even though they might not have been very popular back then, are Mm -hmm. like um, are getting a lot of attention now. And it's because they didn't do the mold of like an 80s film or a 90s film and that they made the movie to like show a purpose, have a meaning Everything that they put in the film was for that meaning. Everything's connected. And that's how movies are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. if you have a song like Peter Gabriel that they have at the end of Bone Collector, um, if, if they would have made that today, they would have wanted to find a song that had the same meaning behind it, but probably had a little bit of a different tone. Right? I think for a movie like this, though, going with any pop song is just kind of weird. Because you don't have any pop music throughout the movie at all. Like, not even when she's getting the hot dog at the hot dog stand. Like, like just stick with the score. Like, do violins playing out the, the credits. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. And again, this is, and I know this is going to sound ridiculous. That's more of a modern view on yeah. it. And for that, you're right. But for, the, for when this movie was made, it fits. Yeah. Audiences left this movie... Not, you know, going, oh, my God, you know, we like they're sitting there towards me like, oh, my God, this is a great movie. And then Peter Gabriel comes on and then half the audience goes, what? No. Do you want to know what happened at uh, inside the movie theater? Peter Gabriel came on at the end of this movie and they were like, they didn't even like this is a really good movie because they didn't even think about it because that's just what they did. Peter Gabriel coming on, def- I would say probably okay. So nineteen ninety nine, this movie comes out. How much money this movie made? Like maybe twelve, ten dollars a ticket. Divide how much it made by that in the U.S. So you might talking about maybe in the year nineteen ninety nine, you might have had probably twenty people who heard Peter Gabriel in the theater when this movie first released and have your reaction to it. Right. Yeah. And I mean, sure. Yeah. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to discredit your opinion, though. We've beaten the Peter Gabriel horse to death. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's tail twitched. Devin. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, since I brought him up earlier, um, and I'm, he's on my mind right now, I want to talk. I think I want to watch a movie next week. That's the second best use of seal in motion pictures. Okay. Oh, Have no. you guys ever seen pop star never stop, never stopping? What is that? The one where he's in the bathroom of like in the preview? I don't know. It's a it's a what? mockumentary with Andy Samberg. Yeah, I know it's, exactly what you're talking a, about. Have you seen this, Devin? No, I haven't seen it. Okay, I know of it, okay, but I haven't so seen it. Tune in next week where I have these guys watch pop star never stop, never stopping. Um. <laughs> You have to watch this podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And take it, Peter Gabriel. (laughs) In this proud land, we grew up strong. We were wanted all.